0: Welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Tom. Hello. And uh, we've got a, an interesting one this week. I know yeah. I say that a lot, but um, I can't think of else what else to say for this one. <laughs> Onibaba. Onibaba from 1964. Yeah. Um... Uh, we'll preface this episode with saying if I slow my speech and stuff a little bit I'm uh, I'm from a dentist appointment so I'm a little sore and numb still so apologies you'll do fine yeah
1: uh, Odibaba Japanese horror which, yes. which I love I love Japanese horror we saw in, um earlier on in the in the collection and I absolutely adored that
0: yep and uh, even go into some of the more weirder stuff like House as well from the 70s yeah, that's like, right that's right yep. So I'm always up for some Japanese horror. And older stuff, like, I mean, there's the whole... There was a giant resurgence of modern-day Japanese horror in, like, the sort of 90s and things with, like, The Grudge and The Ring and um, some of the Takeshi Miike stuff, like um, uh, Audition and then even Tale of Two Sisters in the early 2000s. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always good stuff. But I, I love jumping back into, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s stuff where it's, like, real trippy.
1: Especially when it's done in such a way that it seems like the ones that aren't modern, they mm. have an extra creepiness to them.
0: Yeah, very Certainly much. All so. the black
1: and white stuff. Yeah, uh, always seems to lend itself so well to.
0: And and quite unease. An, yeah, and quite and was so perfect because it is a bunch of kind of folklore stories, and it's just like you said, that kind of rural kind of you know 16th, 17th century style just adds to the whole a lack of technology or modernity to it all. Kind of makes it just this added, yeah, like. It, Creepiness, I guess Claustrophobic Yeah, yeah Insula. And And this one in particular Like the setting of it um, Makes it kind of feel There's this underlying dread of uh, inescapability, I guess too.
1: Yeah, so it's it's set in the 14th century in Japan During wartime uh, On a farm Well, it's farmland-ish mm. uh, And the, the major aspect of the landscape Is that it's just covered in reeds Yes uh, so high that you can get lost in it And I thought that A lot of the shots where it seemed like the reeds were just ready to swallow anyone whole.
0: Yeah. Is just a really good setting for a horror film. It's like the opening shot, or one of the opening shots where it's like just the overhead look of the reeds kind of moving and swaying in the wind, and it kind of looked like an ocean almost, or like a sea kind of moving. And then you see something kind of cutting its path through, and I think it's because we went and saw Jaws at the cinema the other night that it was, I was like, this is just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting real Jawsy vibes off of this, like the shark fin kind of slowly so, emerging out from the waves
1: a monster in the ocean kind yeah. of yeah but the film opens up even the title is a jump scare yeah uh, which which got me I mean I think it's also because the soundtrack uh, is initiated on the title sequence mm-hmm. when the title jumps up and it's this really chaotic drum sequence uh, which is
0: I think builds the unsettling nature of the whole thing. It's like an off—it's like an off heartbeat or something behind the film, where it's just like this. It's just because, like, I got about halfway through, it's like and panic. Was like, yeah, and I was like, there's there's nothing really in this film that indicates it's horror or kind of something, but there is something between the mix of the visuals, the way the performances are done, and in particular the score that is just slowly building a sense of dread in you let's, and, talk, let's yeah. talk about
1: the genre aspect. Mm-hmm. Actually, we'll do a synopsis first. Yeah, yeah. So as I said, it's set in 14th century feudal Japan. It's wartime, and it follows the story of two ladies, a mother-in-law and a daughter, mm-hmm. uh, that ha- are now alone, not capable of dealing with farm life because the son and the husband uh, has gone off to war. I don't
0: know about that, because they do make a comment that when the war is over, they'll be a- that they'll be able to do the farming again. I think it is just... Because resources are so thin because of the war, that that's why farming is not necessarily an option.
1: Well, they certainly can't do farming. The two of them, it seems. So they, yeah. so their idea is, if there are going to be cell swords and samurai coming through, uh, these reeds, then they can probably safely kill them. Yeah, take all of their stuff, their weapons and armor, and sell them for food and to the local kind of junk merchant guy, and yeah, the like dodgy pawn shop guy. <laughs> and that's the setup. And even there's. Uh, uh, the husband's friend Hachi comes back at a certain stage mm-hmm. um, and says, "Hey, your husband's dead, but uh, but I'm back." And and he even joins in on the killings. Yeah. Um, but as you said, there's not a lot of horror occurring. No. For, for certainly, a, I mean, for most of the three film.
0: quarters at least of the film. But that being said, because of the setup initially and like we're saying the, the visual styling and the music and stuff it is just this building sense of dread and I started to get the sense that the horror aspects were possibly going to come from like not necessarily a supernatural thing which the Criterion cover art could possibly lead you to believe and the fact that it's folktale and all of that it starts to shift into like oh is this going to be a kind of jealousy revenge dark fucked upness kind of horror coming out like it's a it's a horror of the psyche not necessarily the supernatural
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Uh,
1: psychological and it kind of the
0: two psychological
1: actually. horror. Yeah. Well, there's there's contention. I was reading up on on critic response and even people that are trying to determine how do you put this into a genre, and it doesn't seem so clear cut in the sense that do you put it in the horror setting or do you put it in maybe a period drama because mm. it does play out like a period yeah, drama. Between, oh, very much so. Uh, the setup is uh, well, as you we described the intro, the basic concept, and then. What happens is Hachi and the daughter, both the mother and daughter, don't have
0: names. Yeah, they're credited as woman
1: and young woman. Yeah, so woman and Hachi become lovers, because what do you do in wartime when you can't do anything? You, like, sex is is fun, and so you go after hmm. that. And, you know. and she's
0: been without husband for yeah.
1: X amount of years and things, so... And then old woman, mother-in-law, says, well, uh, I don't like this, because potentially... The daughter's going to run off. I'm going to be absolutely by myself, and yeah, I won't it, be able to survive at all.
0: Exactly, it's it's going to fuck up. At the what we got going now, even though it was perfect when we had the two, now we had the three. kind of worked out like a tenuous kind of way to make this work, and now if those two fuck off, it's just at it's going to everything is going to topple down
1: for for her at least. But that motivation didn't come out till I, I marked it down 51 minutes. Yeah, because I was. So the title of the film is, is Onibaba. It means demon hag or demon woman. Yep. I like demon hag more, it seems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and cool. particularly Hachi calls her hag throughout the film as well. So. Okay. So demon hag. Yeah. And, and
1: I was trying to figure out what is, what's going on here? What's the motivation to, for the, the mother-in-law to stop the daughter from seeing Hachi? Yeah. And I was thinking, is, is this film about overbearing mother-in-laws? Is it like a folk story about that? Is it?
0: I mean it was kinda of sounds silly. Or 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 is it more dealing with like a sense of duty and family care and you know Or protecting the son's legacy? Yeah yeah, that's sort of what I'm meaning with that. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it is it a sense of yeah, by going off with his friend who wouldn't even help him fight save him and things? <laughs> You know, that's. I think she has a line where, like, my son would be t- rolling in his grave if he knew that you were going to be running off with him, possibly. And- yeah,
1: that's what I thought. That maybe that's the the theme is a legacy in wartime, maybe. But, but, then but it's, no, it's as simple as survival.
0: And and it very slowly starts to drip feed out that that's like because you think like it's like okay, I can understand where she's coming from based on of these reasons, especially given our our time and setting of where we are. And then when it slowly starts to be revealed, that it's like oh, no, she's just saying that shit to, like, kind of make it seem like she's a good person, but it is just purely selfish motivation for it, and that's where you're like, oh,
1: yeah, evil hag. <laughs> but, but it's still sympathetic.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it, you understand it, but it is... Like, they're, they're the lower class... Mm,
1: uh, women... Women in feudal Japan.
0: Yeah. But it, it seems so funny, though, for her to just be like, no, I don't want you to do this because I can't murder people on my own. <laughs> like, it's so kind of borderline absurdist. But none of this is that scary. No. Right? It's all just dramatic. Uh, like, like you are saying, this could easily be, like, a period drama, save for the setting and the way that it's shot. Mm. Like, it, it is just so bizarre. Such an interesting, bizarre
1: location to choose. All these slow shots on the reeds kind of just swaying back and forth creates an unsettling mm. uh, vibe. And I guess as the well... High like- contrast shots at night time. Oh, that Captain Kirk lighting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. But even the way that everyone's eating, it's just like really animalistic and, yeah. and off-putting. Um, but so it, it's, it's a period... It seems like certainly two-thirds of the way through the film until the final act and things really start to become a horror film. It really feels like it's a drama, but it feels like a horror. So that's where the contention is, I think, for people trying to figure out where you put it in as a genre. Mm. Um, but let's let's talk about The Mask. Oh, okay. Think, well, what was your like initial response? So you get halfway through and it's doing the drama stuff. Were, yep. you, were you engaged?
0: Yeah, I was engaged because, I, like I said, I thought this might go kind of more in the vein of like not like a fatal attraction like that's a really shitty weird example to pull but it is where, there's the scene where the old woman or the woman sorry um, not because there's woman and young woman, there's, a woman, and young woman yeah. <laughs> there's not old woman it's this woman she's not old she's not old yeah but when she propositions Hachi because her that's when it's also the kind of reveal of like your motivations behind it aren't for your son's legacy it's for your own survival and it's if you get if you can bed Hachi and get him to kind of go along with you, then you have no problem keeping the young woman around. And so that's like, it's helping secure the status quo as it is. Mm. But in that scene, like from then onwards, you're like, okay, the shift here, I, I am. And then when he rejects her and calls her an old hag and stuff, and you get the sense and she's like, oh, I could murder you in your sleep and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, is this where we're going to go? Horror wise is going to shift into jealous, like not even jealous but like because she gives a fuck about hachi like actually it's more about the self preservation but it's like yeah her shift now to kind of the, the the monster movie yeah the, vengeance. the, in the she film. is now shifting to become the villain
1: essentially yeah. yeah uh and i think that's where the film really picked up mm. I, I was very engaged by just the way that it's shot and you, I mean, like even like all the sexual
0: frustration moments, like the blue Hachi with blue balls. Oh my god, dude, like from the word from the get go, like after after the opening creds and stuff, I was sitting there being like, Is it just me or is this film like hyper sexual? Just out of nowhere, like with the way his camera was moving in the shots and like I think it was like the yeah the shot of um the young woman like doing her laundry and she's like spread with like the shirt open. I was like, this is and she's like beating right at her. Cro- I was like, this is yeah very sexualized. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah.
1: It's it's unusual, I think, for to see a film from the '60s portraying women as kind of rugged, their own person that can defend themselves. They mm. can they can survive by themselves, and they have
0: they emit a sexuality that's powerful that they are powerful than the men in the film that they are in command of like when when it started to get to the point where Hachi is like kind of following her around in the reeds and like doing that weird wave tour and stuff Mm. I was like oh god I'm getting that like pre-rape vibe now and I'm not please don't go there please don't go there but it ends up being her willingly is like you know yeah fuck it I'm a i am I want this too she takes Hachi Yeah She that, goes to that's, Hachi I'm That's what I mean Yeah, around, yeah. It, 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 that, And I was so happy That's how it ended up going I was like Cool you're not taking away the This woman's agency And her kind of ownership Of her situation This is fucking great
1: Strong woman Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice And uh, the way that they deal With all that With uh, I mean it seems like Hachi is powerless when, when they do the There's a couple of those Blue ball sequences mm-hmm. Which is like Really erratic editing Yeah uh, Like a frenzy It's really good really really snappy i really liked it um and he seems powerless and so what do you do you
0: just thrash around on the ground because you got blue balls yeah uh it's it's such so interesting how he comes in because from the first scene that he comes he comes into their cabin late at night and he's just like i'm hungry and they're like get him a bowl and it's like it seems and the way it's framed as well they're the back of their two and then him framed perfectly in the center they're looking directly into camera and things and you're like oh god this guy is now commanding the frames and you know he's he's in charge of these the situation and he's now going to be in charge of all of this. And it's like, no, that's just that one scene. And it's like, nah. That's, that, that's the first time you see him, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like setting you up to think that that's going to be the power dynamic because that's yeah. essentially what the majority of power dynamics of, in film
1: are. It, it does, and it does that a little bit further as well. He's the one that goes, they, they kill a, a couple of samurai and take their armor and, and swords and they go to uh, the merchant. Mm-hmm. Then the previous one of the previous scenes, the two ladies came to sell their, the some armor and, and weapons, and he kind of stiffed him on a deal. Yeah. And then Hachi comes in, gets a better deal.
0: But it's not just that; it was better gear as well. Sure. Was selling, but, but but I think that's but the also point the point
1: is is that the merchant didn't try and stiff him. Yeah. Just said like here's here's your food and sake.
0: Which makes me wonder if it was the women's plan to be like we'll get you to go now, mm. like we'll just hang out outside or whatever.
1: But then that does fall away, and it comes back to... Mm.
0: Well, it's also immediately, like, that that scene is punctuated with Hachi leaving the merchant's place and being confronted with a um, a woman and her daughter, and the woman is, like, covered in mud and filth and things, and he kind of has a realisation of, like, oh, shit, this is what's been going on while we're away facing the horrors of war, these people are facing their own horrors. Oh... And he kind of has almost a bit of a realization to like, chill, just back up a little bit, maybe chill out. And yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's
1: talk about the mask because I was highly engaged up until the point in appreciating the, the visuals and the style and, and the editing and all that sort of stuff. But it's not until this, well, it, it, I mean, a, a samurai comes, he's got this, this mask that's demonic attached to his face, glued to his face. Mm. He can't get it off. Um, and he comes to try and attack an uh, older woman. And she bests him by tricking him into falling down this pit that they've been throwing all the samurai into the down. Pit, yeah. Which, by the way, like those those point of view shots from the oh, bottom of the, so of, the, of the pit. Yeah. With these people falling down is... is In slow motion, great. kind of
0: beautifully shot, yeah.
1: Great stuff. But I thought it's... This is when it's the film shifts from certainly a period drama into something that's horror. Mm -hmm. Um, and it becomes like, I I started to question he, the the samurai says I have the most beautiful face in all of the land and I'm not going to show you it because you're a filthy peasant and I'm a samurai. Mm. Um, and when in fact he actually can't take it off at all. Yeah. And so you start to question, I started to question myself whether he is supernatural Or whether he's just a man. Who has been
0: cursed, essentially. Yeah. That's kind of how I read it. It's like this... It's like a transitional curse thing that moves from whoever is the bearer of the mask or using it for kind of nefarious reasons. Like, I'm assuming he was just a regular samurai who then was using the mask as a way to intimidate and strike fear in opponents on the battlefield and because of that those nefarious kind of reasons for doing that that's how he became cursed by it mm-hmm. and that kind of mirrors uh the woman's intentions for using the mask in that she's using it for the exact same reasons to scare and intimidate and manipulate mm. using the mask and then therefore the curse kind of transfers across to her and yeah well she
1: struggles to get the she goes down to the pit and she struggles to get the mask off this guy because she thinks hey i can actually scare um young woman yep. into not seeing Hachi by doing this and therefore keep her as my, um, my partner in crime and therefore survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's stuck on his face and you pull the face away and it's not the most beautiful man in the world. It's someone with a disease or like a curse. disfigurement
0: or? and it almost looks like burn victim yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. And again, you're starting to question, like, is this somebody that's just hidden their face because they have a disease or is it actually like a supernatural curse? Hmm. Um but let's talk about the mask cuz I was when he came into the shots depending on the point of view whether it's from the uh from the point of view of of woman or whether it's from the point of view of say a lot of the shots that are like kind of more three point uh more bird's eye down into the reeds yeah the aerial kind of shots looking down the face seems to change which is uh I was looking this up it's Supposedly from, uh, no theater, N O H
0: theater. Oh yeah, yeah. The like it, it's like an offshoot of kabuki. Like yeah, well, yeah. I,
1: well, it's from this. It started in the 14th century, and this is set in the 14th century, and it's a uh, dramatic plays done with with song, often with masks on, mm-hmm. and you can tilt your head up and down, and depending on what tilt you're at, it gives the face an appearance of. Well, when it's fully down, it looks maniacal, mm. and when it's fully up, it looks sad, and anywhere in between, you might get different kind of expressions. It's like
0: those things that, like, when you walk past, the perspective changes, and yeah. yeah.
1: And in the context of this film, it it doesn't it, it creates like an unease about the motivations of of the samurai, and mm-hmm. then later on, Baba. Yeah,
0: um,
1: which I thought was really really fascinating. Uh, I think I mean that's where the, the string runs dry on on um, um, on no theatre, but yeah. anyway, that's that's I think that what they're going for.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of incorporating the styles and the theatrics of the time for a film that was set in that time. Yeah,
1: makes sense. I was going to go into the whole. Um, I was kind of interested in the whole idea of the erotic horror thing. Mm-hmm. The idea that you'd have Hachi and the and young woman having sex, and they're the ones that the that are. In danger,
0: yeah. They're, they're, of the, the
1: oh, you know quote unquote movie monster, yeah. The sinners and things like yeah. And I was thinking because you know Scream makes fun of that, yeah. That, that's that the kind trope. of trope at that point, yeah. Um, and that comes from you know like Freddy Krueger films and all that sort of stuff. Friday the Thirteenth,
0: Halloween, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the, all the 80s and 90s. Stuff. Yeah, if you want to be the final girl, you've got to be a virgin. To, yeah, you yeah. can't have sex or drink or do. Sex drugs. is unsafe. Yes. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, I was
1: thinking. I, I don't. You can't really read into it in in, in the sense of Oni Bubba is is a film from 1964. Yeah. But it's it, it's still interesting that that that's a thing. Eroticism is so closely connected to horror. Yeah. Um, you probably write something on that to someone that's less ignorant than I am.
0: <laughs> but but it's still it's still intriguing that that oh, yeah, cropped they, up here because it's it's like. Uh... Not like I guess back like in those like you know it's the the wrongness or like you know it's the naughtiness or it's the otherness of eroticism and sex it's the same it falls into a similar kind of category as violence and scares and horror and stuff, so they are kind of on some base level kind of intrinsically mixed like that, and that's why in so many films, you have one leading to the other or vice versa and things,
1: yeah, okay, but uh Shindo, the director um. He seems to really want to push these two elements of of humanity together. Mm-hmm. In, I mean, I was, I was thinking that it was kind of interesting that in a wartime, when, when like people are utterly desperate and driven to kill, yeah, uh, to kill to survive. The only solace is to have sex, I suppose. Like, what else do you do like, when you can't fucking...
0: I don't necessarily view Hachi and young woman's relationship purely based on a physical one. It, it, it's not, it's passionate. Like, it's yeah, even, it, it does. The sex scenes are presented passionately. So. Yeah, and, and by the end of it as well, it is not just a matter of them doing it to get their rocks off. It is a matter of them, like, actually caring and having companionship again. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what war has done. It's stripped everyone of their humanity and their, you know, so it's that by them having this physical and emotional relationship, it's them rekindling that and kind of getting that back, which again, I think is part of the motivation for woman to be kind of so... Having a normal life. They're trying to have a normal
1: life. Yeah. And she's and just Oni like, Baba fuck you. in the way because she's trying to survive. Because it's
0: Yeah, exactly. And she, and I think she's also resentful of why can't I have that? Mm. Why do why do you guys get to have that and forcing me to not?
1: Do you think that it's like a shitty casting in some respects because she's so young? Because I looked at her and she has like she's got a
0: she's like our age.
1: (laughs) I know she's she's like mid thirties and she's supposed to be some kind of grandma almost. Yeah, she has a a white streak in her hair to represent. It's very anime esque.
0: Yes, oh very much. much, I got that as well. Streak
1: in the hair and that and and the big thick
0: eyeliner as well. Like yeah, she had that real kind of yeah.
1: It's cartoony in a
0: way. Yeah, um, but yeah, she's at best maybe ten years older than woman. So, yeah.
1: well, I, yeah, for whatever reason, but in but, that in that
0: culture at that time, obviously, I yeah. guess she's 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 a heck. So. But I think it's a matter of sorry, I'm yawning while I'm saying that. It's not not because you're boring me. <laughs> or the movie. It's um. It <laughs> I think it is like. It's one of those situations where I'm able to look past that because I loved her performance. Oh, yeah. I thought she was so, so good in it that, like, when initially... I think it's it helps her stand out having that white streak in their hair. I think it it's... Character choice of, like, yes, she's an older woman as well, but also helps distinguish the two of them initially um, because they're dressed the same and they're kind of, you know, acting the same. And it's... I was initially drawn to her because the way she's conducting herself and the way she's portraying the character, I was way more engaged in her. And then when it, when it shifted to be kind of more focused on young woman for that first 20 minutes, half hour, I was like, oh, mm, I, I'm more interested in this other lady. And then when she kind of, you know, ended up being Odie Barber, I was like, all right, I'm I'm way in now. Well,
1: it certainly shifts its focus towards her, uh, the old woman or Oni Barber at the end. Yeah. Uh, which you're right. I mean, once once the the love scenario occurred it seemed like young woman's character was dulled
0: yes very not, much so it's not bad it's it's, not, but, not but it's not ab- it's not about her she is a, yeah. She. It's, the story's. she's not our protagonist she is the motivation for our protagonist yeah and like similar Hachi and he was fine but to me I got the vibe of you just doing a Mufuni impersonation yeah, like, yeah. you kind of going for that wild, kind of, Kikuchio kind of... That's fine. Yeah, and it, it works. It works. is great. Yeah. Why wouldn't you imitate that guy? Exactly. He's, like, one of the greatest actors of all time, so why not? Cole,
1: Cole was watching it, and uh, she was extremely put off by him. I think it was the eating scenes, but also just the way that the lighting he, uh, yeah, covers his face a lot of time it just makes him look disgusting.
0: <laughs> but I think that's but also to the like, benefit of the film. Yeah, it, it's to the point of ha- helping kind of let you sympathise or understand where Oni Barber It's it's framing it in Oni Barber's point of view.
1: Mm. So, mm. so then she manages to. Uh, okay, I kind of we we probably should put a spoiler like spoilers at the beginning ish. Yeah, it's a good film.
0: If you haven't watched it, go and go and watch it.
1: I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a good film. I think we've been vague enough
0: that you can okay. still watch it with it like, and appreciating things. So come
1: back. If you haven't watched it and you want to watch it at this point, go and watch it because now we'll spoil um, the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, which is ambiguous in nature, but. Uh, Onibaba manages to kill Pachi.
0: Is that right? No, no. He right. comes home from having. Uh, it, it is a. It's a scenario where. Sorry. Okay, so so Oni Baba has ended up uh, using the mask uh, that she got off the samurai, the dead samurai, uh, the cursed mask. Um, i I kind of like it to view it as, as um, she's using that to scare Hachi as she's sneaking off every night to go rendezvous with Hachi, and she's pretending to be a demon that's out in the reeds to, and she's like set it all up by telling her about he- hell and where sinners go and blah blah blah. And so she's systematically freaking the fuck out of Young Woman, so she'll stop seeing Hachi. And then this hits a boiling point one night where she wakes up, Young Woman wakes up from a nightmare of the demon, demon in quotes, and just decides like, you know what, no, fuck it, I actually care about Hachi, that this isn't just a sin, you know, a little lusty sin. And they kind of run off and meet in the rain and, you know... Have the wonderful little sexy times. Yeah. And then they go their separate ways after promising to move in together the next day and things. And Hachi gets back to his cabin and there is a random psycho in his That's cabin eating camera. his rice who murders him.
1: Again, there's like that off-putting shot of people eating in a really
0: disgusting kind of way. Sweaty and grimy and yeah. And he's put down. Yeah. Was yeah. That a, was so that a reference to all the dog metaphor stuff? <laughs> Saying that he got put down. <laughs> Well yeah, yeah, the the no, but yeah, but works. yes, there
1: there's a yeah. scene where um a dog is put down in desperation. Again, survival
0: instincts, doing what you can to survive. And um, then in a typical a horror point. fashion trope the, the, the killer or the monster eats the dog. Yeah. How <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Uh, I've just been listening to a lot of um Halloween podcasts at the moment and that's, that's <laughs> Michael Myers likes to eat dog. Oh.
1: Um, it's January. I was thinking like legit Halloween. Oh, no, no, like the, the
0: movie's Halloween, okay. yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it's... Um, yeah, that's so, that's how Hachi's Dispatch, which is kind of out of nowhere and not connected to the main crux or plot. It is just its own little side thing of...
1: I wonder why they would do that as opposed to having Baba the monster kill
0: Hachi. I guess to kind of... Deflate the supernaturalness of it all because, like, it, it again falls back into this argument of is this a horror? It, it stylistically is hitting all of these tropes that make you that scream, This is a horror film. Mm. But everything that the director's writer director is doing is not a horror. It, it, it's kind of he's, he's escalating to these points that you're expecting of these horror tropes, and then just does the complete opposite, yeah. Not as a like, you know, Ryan Johnson-esque kind of like to fuck with you. It's it's a total like, well no, it it almost seems like a filmic exercise to see can I make a like you were saying, a period drama using the tropes of a different genre. Yeah. And how can we pull this off?
1: It's almost like this is why I respect the film so much, because it's easy to just fall into let's do a horror film, let's pull all the tropes in and maybe we'll do a little bit of a spin or a twist on something. We're
0: just going to go straight forward here. Yeah, yeah.
1: but no, he's he's really trying to layer it mm. and create a nuance. I think, um, I think this film is kind of shotgun in its approach sometimes. But
0: oh, and the ending, I think, is very much that. Yeah, where
1: you got to give it credit for its ability to um, to kind of cloud the genres and trying to try and put its fingers in multiple pies and, and move through whatever this film might be. Um, mm. That's a little bit weird to say a little bit. No, yeah, I,
0: much, g- I get what you're saying there, but it's, um, I will say though, when it does hit its ending and it does kind of go in that tropey horror way of this is sort of post Hachi dying and, um, and the woman kind of, it, it's odd because it's kind of, I suppose, does she like? Oh god, I'm now reading into it that she is getting cursed, and the you know the mask gets stuck on her head because she inadvertently leads to the death of Hachi. Because if it weren't for her doing what she was doing by freaking the girl out, she would have just gone to Hachi's place. Hachi would have never left his place, so the intruder would have never come in.
1: Uh, but I, th- I think the the ending is ambiguous. It, the, the very ending yeah, shot yeah. is ambiguous, yeah, and yeah. I think you should treat my my instinct is to treat the ending as a whole. The last twenty minutes is rather ambiguous too. So, yeah. if the samurai couldn't take his mask off, and he's saying that I won't, I'm, there's a class system here, and I'm not going to show you my face because it's beautiful, and you're a peasant. When in reality, it's stuck to his face yeah. because he had a disease. In the natural sense, if you're looking at it naturally Okay, yeah, yeah um, Then then you could say, well... That is then transferred across to... Th- there was a disease in the mask Yeah Over time she co- contracted the disease And it's...
0: Yeah, that's a very... ...to her face that's a, that's a realist kind of rational way to look at it But I kind of... I think it is because of the way the film is shot And like all the stylistic stuff that's been put in That I'm like... He's finally put in that one supernatural kind of horror folky element into mm-hmm. it now. Yeah.
1: It's definitely an old style folk, yeah, folktale. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe it is a, a curse. And mm. uh, I mean, she's certainly not a demon or a ghost or whatever. But but the mask itself might be, uh, yeah, some kind of hellish.
0: Yeah. Like, fact. Yeah that, that whole point Of like what you just said there Where like she's not a demon Like I, I do love At the end though It is her w- 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 Scaring the fuck out A young woman Is like she And she's running away While uh, Oni Barber Is screaming like I'm not a demon I'm a human I am human I'm not a demon And you're like Oh it's like wonderful Like Almost you trying to Justify your actions And what you And your behaviour Of what you've been doing Like I'm not I'm not doing anything bad I am just human Yeah It's nice
1: well, a young woman comes back and she finds the mask is is, a, is attached to the old woman and she's freaking out. And she's apologetic. I think it's unclear whether she's apologetic because she's it's, actually it's, apologetic. or I think just, it is because she is watching
0: uh, Hachi and young woman from a distance when they unite in the reeds. And she sees that it is not just sinful lust. It is... A genuine connection and growing going into love, mm. like they do care and want that companionship, mm. and she has misread that whole situation as thinking it's just sex and something physical. It's an actual emotional connection, and they do like each other. So she's like, "Ah, oh, my bad. <laughs> I've been fucking <laughs> yeah." Fucking she this has up. she has regret, yeah. Uh, and so it's not a
1: traditional monster film at that point either. Mm. Um, but then there's you know, I think the the way that the the the, the end sequence when um, she can't get the mask off and young woman decides to bash the mask off with a hammer the imagery is is horror yeah Um, you know like the blood trickling out coming out from behind the mask the mask is cracking
0: yeah Uh, it just feels like horror it's so good and then I was just had the thought in my head of I suppose like reading in like what like what could the film could be saying is essentially like her taking off the mask, and it's like, despite coming around and realizing what she had done is bad, or even like at the time she thought she had good intentions for what she was doing, but like, and then now she's repentive and kind of sorry for what she's done, she's still always now forever scarred by her actions mm. of what she did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: But they even have they consider there's a sequence earlier on where before the Oni Baba situation, um, where they both. Woman and young woman are saying that they're good people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though they're murderers. They've been, they're murderers. <laughs> so I don't know. It's still kind of even great that, that 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 they would. The young, especially the young person, is that the, at no young woman at no time is really. She just cried he, out that she's guilty of of being a bad person. She's suppose. just going with the flow. I think. I suppose.
0: And I think it, the film's less about. Um, the moral compass of Kind of wartime actions And more about This weird little Triptych of character Interaction
1: Well Yeah I mean it's pulling away I think it's pulling away from A traditional Movie monster gag mm. And exploring What happens to a person That's desperate That's the lowest class Yeah um, During war Yeah that That's quite a and it's quite grand in scope and it's yeah. funny to say that having watched
0: something what that is, is so really, small and intimate that's right a small film a small little horror film it right? has a cast of four people
1: yeah <laughs> like yeah so I do really commend it for being grand in scope despite being packaged in something that's yeah that's kind of tiny but uh, it's certainly it's certainly an interesting film
0: mm. it's one where like when I first started watching it and like seeing the cover, the criterion, cover and stuff. I I assumed it was going to be one of those films, where it's like these two women struggling in this interesting location, and blah blah blah. And uh, I and I think it is just that quite an influence, where I'm like they're going to stumble across a witch, because like I did see that Onibaba meant like evil witch or evil hag. I'm like they're going to stumble across a witch, and they're going to like strike a, de- a deal with her to like kill Hachi or something, and then the deal is going to go. Like I thought that's the route it was going to go, and. It kind of falls into that root, but the witches themselves, I guess, like it's the yeah, it's a drama. Yeah, that,
1: that, that's why
0: it's it's not a horror. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so interesting in that regard. Mm. It is shot like a horror. It sounds like a horror to some degree. The some of the performance elements, they're acting like it's a horror, but it is
1: not. I think thematically at its core, it's just a drama drama about what three people are dealing how three people are dealing with water.
0: Yeah, but I'm. Um, but the director's like, I'm going to shoot it stylistically as fuck.
1: Dan, fucking. The guy really knows what to do with the camera. Mm-hmm. I don't know who edited it, but it was fantastic editing. Hmm. Um, the cinematography, I think, like, the budget showed a little bit. I don't think this, the Criterion version, is remastered.
0: Uh, it's got a high-def transfer, but it's just DVD. There's no Blu-ray of it yet. Yeah, it's okay. just. Yeah,
1: because I watched it and I was like "Oh, the, the visuals are, are, are great but they just seem a little bit I mean, some... they could be cleaner
0: yeah um, but I kind of love that as well I was getting a real it, it's I don't know if it's that specific film stock from Japan at that time or whatever but it, it kind of leaned into the dirtiness of it that's like, true that's true the blacks were real black and looked kind of wet and soggy and things. It reminded me a lot of um, Tetsuo the Iron Man which I watched um, kind of late last year, like a really fucked up Japanese horror from, I think, like the early 80s and it's like, there's something about that level of grain and that film stock used there where it's like you kind of, the sloppiness of it adds to the atmosphere and it works really well.
1: That's true. That's true. Mm. Um, I also uh So I finished... I watched this last night. Yep. with Colin, And I loved it. Um, I liked it a lot. I'm not going to say I've loved it. I liked it a lot. Then I decided to... I'd never really heard of Shindo. So I I looked at his discography and I found that there's actually two other films. Filmography. (laughs) Not discography. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, that's fine. Correct me. Um, Filmography. And there's two others in the collection which are way down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, The Naked Island, which I think is like in the 800s or whatever. Um, But then... Another one, um, Kuro Neko. Yes, uh, is spun number five hundred eighty-four, which we'll get to. You know, I'll see you in twenty years, kind of.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's one that yeah I've heard of, and I I'm very much am familiar with that. Uh, at least the cover and things in Criterion. I, I remember when it was first announced. It was like, oh, that looks interesting.
1: Well, I watched it this morning, um, and it's very good. Is uh, and, and it's, was it's excellent. It was made after
0: onibaba i'm assuming yeah
1: 1968 so four years later you can see there's an increase in budget yep and you can also see that there's an increase in talent yep uh, in every respect the the um practical effects and the special effects are are really amazing and that really tries to take advantage of the black and white um but what's also interesting about is it shares a lot of similarities with this film So much so that I'm surprised that it's not a box set like we usually get. Yeah. Because this is a companion piece. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's wartime. It's feudal Japan. The two main protagonists are mother-in-law and daughter. Okay. And it starts as a horror and then opens up into this really intriguing, quite complex uh, tragedy.
0: Yeah. So it's, so it's kind, more than a horror So it's kind of almost An inverse of Onibaba In that it's, it's a kind of flip Which it yeah, Onibaba like, starts It's kind of a more Almost tragic kind of Look at this situation These women are in And will eventually get Into the more horror yeah. Elements at the end And this is the Opposite
1: yeah. the, con- the concept Of Kiraneko. It's called It means black cat mm-hmm. uh, Is A mother-in-law And a daughter Who's Who the son and husband Is, is also off um, you know, In a war some samurai come to their house and kill them, rape them, take the food, set mm. the house on fire. Mm-hmm. They turn into cat demons, ghosts, um, and start killing samurais. Awesome. That's, <laughs> well, <laughs> the set, that's, that's set up in the first 10 minutes. Okay. That's, the, that's like the, the catalyst, the, the major concept. That's a horror concept, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's, it's the revenge the, film. Like, like Yeah. They 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 they're enacting an vengeance, mm. um, and they're monsters, right? But what's really interesting is that through, and I won't bother going into spoilers, is that concept twists from horror into a really fascinating tragedy. Yeah, um, and it's shot incredibly well. It's it's I think Oni Barber is great. I think uh, Kira is is excellent.
0: It's it's him taking the ideas that he's set up and the style stuff that he's working with in Oni Barber and kind of. M- Perfecting it to some degree
1: It's certainly a companion piece And I think that If you enjoyed Unbub You should definitely go to uh, Kirineko
0: So Which kind of I think Would be It leads us to a nice Kind of wrapping up point then Is the whole debate on Is what Shindo's doing As a writer-director Is it Do you think it is him Essentially trying to do Character-driven drama But while utilising the stylistic and filmic techniques of a separate genre and just seeing what happens when you meld those two different styles. A different style yeah. of storytelling and a different kind of visual filmic style clashing together to create something that's kind of wholly unique and original.
1: I think so. I mean, I mean, we've already, you've seen that. I've seen two of them. And, yeah. and so far it seems like he's interested in horror but really
0: trying to create a deeper experience. Using the kind of thematic tropes of horror to explore something a little bit broader, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you could get into, you know. But as we said, people less, like less, less ignorant than us. could yeah. <laughs> right about this. But yes.
1: Well, I mean, at its at its core, Only barber is not about a monster. It's about um, the the lower class dealing with. Um,
0: surviving in wartime. surviving in rejection and the a change to the norm essentially yeah and so the status so, quo yeah. yeah
1: so these these are these are really great films um, mm. I, I I think onbu is, is really good really good
0: hmm. um did you have anything else or do we kind of wrap it up on that note then I mean oh I, I mean I briefly want I mean we talked about it earlier but like the music at the beginning as well is so horrific and Tropy that it's so wonderful it's that drum beat, but intercut with screaming
1: yeah that's right like kind of and also they it's kind of like a samurai war cry you yeah
0: know, um of. listeners you would have heard it at the beginning of the episode it's what i've used to kind of intro and outro this episode it's it's just again it's that thing of like it sets you up for this is going to be a horror film like there is screaming in the music and then it's like no not really. We're just... Like I said, like, we're taking those tropes and those elements and just kind of fucking with you a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very intriguing. It's good.
0: Yeah. Good performances. Brilliant cinematography. Um, I do want to point out as well, I just saw before, uh, Shindo himself was the art director of the film. So it was him that did the production design and everything oh. in, like, it. which is, like... I think that definitely adds an extra element. Like, it's him... Knowing exactly what he wants to put on screen
1: Yeah, he's telling He's, he's designed it all I'm excited for our discussion in 20 years <laughs> When we talk about Echo Because you're going to love it
0: Yeah, well, I mean, d- shit, do we use that point now To kind of bring up that we might not be It might not take us that long to get there
1: Okay, yeah, well, that's, that's right So I'm a stay-at-home dad now Yeah Because uh, of baby And uh, it seems like I've got more time to,
0: to watch films and since Chris works in the film industry, he only works three, three and a half days a week. <laughs> yeah, <your> arts jobs. <laughs> That's, good. That's, good. That's
1: good. So I think we're going to push it to, we're going to go back to uh, one podcast a week now.
0: Or if not, like it, there'll be some weeks, I think where we'll try and do at least, you know, once a week, and then it might periodically drop back to a fortnight or, you know, we might try and bank some, but I think for the next little while, we're going to try and uh, kind of put out a little bit more just to try and burn through the collection, because we've had... I don't think... If, if you're doing fortnightly,
1: I don't think you would finish it before we die.
0: No, probably not. <laughs> Unless Criterion goes bankrupt and stops putting out stuff now. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I don't want that, so... Yeah. So it's a good time to start doubling up the...
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's as well, like, we're, we've been on such a good run of films lately, and um, I know that there's a whole bunch of goodness coming up as well that I'm excited for, so... Let's just keep it going. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well... On that note, I guess, do you want to hear a little bit of trivia about Onibaba? Sure. Although I'm sure you probably know more. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Awards-wise, it won uh, two awards at the Blue Ribbon Awards in 1965. It won Best Supporting Actress and Best Cinematography. Um, Otherwise... uh, Supporting Actress for the... uh, Young Woman. Young Woman, okay. Uh, I I loved this one. Uh, The demon mask uh, used in the film was the inspiration for William Friedkin to use a similar design of makeup for the subliminal shots of the white-faced demon in The Exorcist. Okay. I, I liked that. And, and as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is it true that... The way that it's, it do- like, hyper uh, kind of overexposed almost when it's, like, revealed in the reeds late at night when young women's kind of going to Hachi's, it's, like, that very white mm. flash of it, so...
1: Yeah did freaking do his remaster and just like put that he peppered that
0: face in way more yeah way more
1: like his, his um director's cut or whatever
0: yeah oh it's not it's it's the version you've never seen yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah um there's some definite good stuff in the version you've never seen but it's like some of that stuff's a little bit like uh, it's fine like, it was good yeah n- unnecessary i guess but it's fine
1: Okay, so it's based off of... Okay. Yeah,
0: which is kind of cool. Like, because Pazuzu definitely appears... Like, that demon face definitely appears in the original theatrical version of The Exorcist, but not necessarily as much as in The Subliminals for the later one. If you hadn't guessed, I'm a huge Exorcist fan. Me too. That's the best horror (laughs) film I've ever made. Yes, it is. Um, so the film was initially banned when it came out uh, or refused classification in, uh, in England when it came out in 1965 it was resubmitted in 1968 and was repro- approved with an X rating albeit with multiple cuts I think it the that, dog sequence dog killing it's the sex it's, oh it's the sex well, that's fucking <laughs> if, that, if Mike didn't pick that up Cole said with a mouthful of fruit too much boobs for the British Yeah, um, but it's it's that thing of like it is yeah it, it's that and because as I said earlier in the episode this is a hyper sexualized film like just in terms of the way it's shot and what it's kind of doing with uh, how it's framing the female bodies and things it's very sensual, sensual and kind of hyper sexualized and so I think that more so because it's not I mean, the violence is kind of graphic as well for, you know, 1964, but it's... I think it's more that, elements, that kind of pushed it aside. It's aggressively sexual. Yes! That, yeah, that's it. So Aggressively sexual. Yeah. But um, that was really about it. Like, I'm... Um, yeah, the other one was, like, I, I found it interesting that it was rated R here in Australia, which is uh, kind of our hardest rating, so... Whereas like now it's like, ugh. but apparently yeah, it was um sort of in the um, mid '80s it went through again and got uh, in the UK, and got bumped down to a fifteen with in its full uncut version. So
1: yeah, it's in, yeah, it's this film. It, I, I wonder. I do wonder. At the time it came out, obviously the critics, I mean the um, classification board, thought it was was
0: no good. Oh, it was just shocking and different because it is. Like it, 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 but it's kind of realistic and fine, especially by modern day. Like watching this in twenty twenty now, it's like it's like hyper, and I'm saying it's hyper hyper sexualized, but. At no way am I talking about the scenes where it's like the women just walking around and like lounging around topless. Like, that's not shot in a sexual manner as well. It, it's, it's when they're clothed, really. Yeah. That he's shooting it in a sexualized say, manner. That, that sequence
1: where she's hitting.
0: Yeah. Um, washing her clothes with her legs apart. but it's-, it's, it's stuff like that, where it's like where it's them going to bed at night and they're topless. It's like that's not really shot in a sexualized manner. Like, where. But yeah. Yeah. We're getting back into the full-blown <laughs> discussion now, but... Uh, I'll move on to the Criterion Edition, if you're interested. Um, it's so, like we said, no Blu-ray, but it is still available as a one-disc DVD. It comes with a new video interview with writer-director Kanedo Shindo, rare Super 8 black-and-white, and, and colour footage provided by actor Kai Sato, shot on location during the filming of Onibaba, uh, original theatrical trailer, stills gallery featuring production sketches and promotional art... Rare English transfer of the original short Buddhist fable that inspired the film. Oh cool. And uh filmmaker statement from writer-director Canado Shindo, as well as the usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do. It's a good
1: one. Would it's, you have you got this? No, I don't it?
0: have this one. Would you buy it?
1: I don't know if I
0: would. Okay. I, so you, I I obviously didn't like it as much as I did. I I liked it. I liked it. It's it's one that I think will stick with me longer and I'll like come to appreciate it in time um, I by no means disliked it but I think the imagery and the what he's doing is so striking that it's going to be a hard one to forget yeah yeah it's like, memorable
1: I think it's still uh, in 2020 it's still like packs and punches you know? yeah which is really
0: high praise for a 1964 film that's almost 50 period drama know, nearly 60 years old or whatever you're like yeah, yeah. it's pretty pretty great yeah um, but I guess that'll wrap us up Looking at uh, Kanedo Shindo's 1964 film Oni Onibaba uh, I'm excited for, n- for next episode Why? It's Le Corbeau I never heard of that Which translates to The Raven Oh yeah? From 1943 Directed by our old buddy Henri-Georges Clouseau Okay Who did our Diabolique And yeah. The Wages of Fear Yeah I- I'm excited Yeah I like those two films I've seen about half of this movie <laughs> I, right, well. I, I went on a cruise kick a little while back And I knew this, so I watched a bit of this But knew it was coming up, so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to save it <laughs> So, okay. I'm excited to finish this one And, yeah
1: Well, we'll see you next week
0: Yes, yeah, uh, but thanks for listening, everyone um, If you have any comments, queries uh, Stuff like that, you can send us an email At thecriterionquest at gmail.com or you can follow me and or hit me up on Twitter, at CriterionQuest. Um, you put your video out. I did, I did. I finally got around uh, technical difficulties aside. I put out my uh, little video of my fa- some of my favorite films of 2019. Uh, so that's the uh, currently the pinned tweet on the CriterionQuest Twitter account, or you can find it on our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, have a look. Let me know what you think. And let me know some of your favorites of the year. It'd be good. But otherwise, we'll be back with another Clouseau film, The Raven. (laughs) For this week's episode, I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Tom. See you next time.